Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with Grace Sesma and host Brenda Salgado. Welcome, everybody. It's time to get started. So wonderful to have you all here with us, joining from all over the uh, country and even from a couple other countries. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Today's event is being offered in Spanish as well as English, so I'd like to introduce our translator, Flavia Manconi. Thank you, Flavia. Again, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I am Kira Epstein, the program coordinator for the New School at Commonweal. I'm here with Brenda Salgado, director of the Racial Healing Institute at the Retreat Center Collaboration. And we're so pleased and honored to co-present the first conversation in our Restoring the Heart of Our Relationships Racial and Earth Healing Series. Today, Brenda, our host, will be in conversation with Grace Sesma, talking about the importance of being in connection with Mother Earth right now and ways that we can become indigenous to our place and to each other. Brenda will introduce herself and Grace more in a bit, but I wanted to say a few words about her, Brenda, before she introduces herself. I met Brenda at an event at Commonweal, the nonprofit organization that houses both the New School and the Racial Healing Institute. The event was held on Commonweal land, on, our, on the land where we sit, on the coast of Marin County, California, on a bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. I was struck by Brenda's connection and attention to the land and her ability to bring sacred hospitality to our conversations and to our group. I'm so honored to be working with Brenda on this series and to have Grace here as well today. It's been a delight to put this series of conversations together. Many thanks to the West Marin Fund for providing some of the funding that allowed us to offer this series and to offer Spanish interpretation. Thank you, Flavia, for your amazing interpretation. You're doing a fantastic job. This series has three events. The first one is tonight, and we have two more in November and early December with Indigenous storyteller and attorney Sherry Mitchell and ceremonialist Pat McCabe. We will post the produced recordings on the New School website, as well as our other media channels, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're, hope we're offering both English and Spanish language audio podcasts, and the YouTube channel will also be available with Spanish subtitles. Interestingly, our past series with Spanish interpretation was listened to more widely than the English version. So a big thanks today to Ken Adams behind the scenes, helping with all of that and doing our production. Uh, all right. I think that does it for housekeeping. So I'm going to turn it over to Racial Healing Institute Director Brenda Salgado after I just say Brenda Salgado and Grace Sisma, welcome to the new school at Commonweal. Thank you so much, Kira. I'm very honored to be here. And I'm so grateful that my dear friend Grace said yes. <laughs> so delighted. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and also just a tiny correction, uh, it's the Racial Healing Initiative uh, for those who are, might be Googling that later. <laughs> so I'm the director of the Racial Healing Initiative, and I'm very grateful that uh, for the sacred work that Victoria Santos began and invited me into uh, doing this work uh, with a beautiful RHI team that I get to work with, which is um, fiscally sponsored by Commonweal and the Retreat Center Collaboration. 
Um, so I want to share a little bit about me, a little bit about Grace, because everything is about relationship and story. And um, for Indigenous folks, we a lot of times in the West, you might introduce yourself by what you do, but we tend to uh, introduce ourselves by who and where we come from, who are the people and the places that have held us. So I want to start by saying that I'm the daughter of Carlos and Esmeralda Salgado. We're both still alive and living in Davis City, California, where I was raised um, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they were both born and raised in Nicaragua, uh, both of indigenous Chorotega descent as well as Spanish European descent. And so I'm very grateful to them for instilling me in me a lot of Nicaraguan culture, food, love of family, um, connection to the earth, all the ways that uh, they brought me into this world. And so I want to give thanks to them first and foremost and the ancestors who came before them because that's my primary identity uh, to share first. And then also we're really grateful to the lands here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, unceded Ohlone lands uh, that raised, uh, held me, the trees, the oceans, the mountains here in Daly City, California, where I grew up and now live in San Leandro, California, not too far away from that. But I have always felt really held by nature and the earth here and in great relationships. So that's uh, something that holds me. And I'm very grateful to the land surrounding Volcan Masaya, the, the volcano in Masaya, that my parents grew up around uh, in small villages near there. So I feel a lot of connection to that land as well, even though I wasn't raised there. Grateful to be connected to that land through my ancestors and to have been in ceremony there in 2012. Um, so that's a little bit about who and where I come from. Um, the more Western way of introducing myself is that the director of the Racial Healing Initiative. I'm also uh, a curandera, um, a Toltec energy healer, um, a ceremony keeper. Um, I'm a mindfulness author. I have a book on mindfulness for beginners and uh, organizational consultant. I have many decades of working in social justice and social movements, but also just really always focusing on bringing in healing and spirituality into those spaces because we can't transform the world if we don't start with our insides first. And uh, let's see, and very grateful to be part of a women's moon circle that's been meeting for many, many years that uh, are supporting me and thinking about starting a land trust together. So all these things through relationship with the earth and with others, a um, lot of gratitude for that. And then I want to thank Maestra Grace Alvarez-Sesma for being here with us. She's of Yaqui Mexican descent, and she's a cultural practitioner and educator. So this is more the Western, and of course, I'll make space for you to share the way you want to share. <laughs> um, she provides a lot of indigenous cultural services to individuals and families throughout her curanderismo healing practice. So if you've ever looked at uh, curanderismo, the healing art of Mexico, it's a beautiful website and it's a way to get to know uh, Maestra Grace. Um, she works with mental health therapists and other healthcare providers to promote an understanding of Mexican and indigenous culture specific interventions and to encourage mutually respectful collaboration. She's an advisor to the House of the Moon and the Kanapkuahun Coalition and serves on the Yaquis of Southern California Tribal Council, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative Practitioners Council, and the Academy of Integrated Health and Medicine BIPOC Committee. So welcome, Grace, and I want to give space for you to introduce yourself the way I did around who and where you come from, if that feels appropriate to you. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. 
as you said, I'm of Yaqui. On my paternal side, I am the daughter of Antonio Cesma Coronado and um, the daughter of Josefina Alvarez Marquez. And she is from Ensenada, from the Ensenada area. So we're indigenous to Baja California as well. I am the granddaughter of Rosario and uh, Miguel Alvarez. I am the granddaughter of Cruz and Ramon Sesma Jimenez Coronado. Uh, on Mayaki side, we're originally from San Miguel de Orcasita, Sonora. And um, my paternal side flee, fled uh, Sonora during the war with the yeah. dictator. Yes. And uh, arrived on Cumiai land in Mexicali, Baja California in the early 1900s where I was born in Mexicali. So, well, my life, my almost 67 years have been spent on Kumiai land. Um, my, son, now my ancestors now are also buried here. And so I'd like to think that um, my Kumiai ancestors, my Yaki ancestors, all of them have mingled their pain, their sorrows, their blood, their sweat, their ashes um, together. and. They've contributed to who I am as being part of the daughter of, of the earth, part of the ocean. Kumia and Yaki people are both ocean, mountain, and desert people. So I, I like that, that connection that we have between the two, the two nations, that we have that in common. And of course, the most thing in common is that we, our ancestors have lived here since time immemorial. Always caretaking the land, being in reciprocal uh, relationship with the land, with each other, respecting each other's territories. And so I am honored to come to all of you from the beautiful lands of the Kumiai people uh, with whom I stand when they defend their, their land, when they stand for, for continuing their relationships with their Kumiai relatives on the other side of the today's USA-Mexico border. And I think that that's part of being in relationship with each other, being in relationship with the land, with the earth, with the ocean and the mountains. Um, I am a grandmother, have five grandsons. I've got two beautiful daughters, 50 and 48. Um, I'm definitely a family person. And to me, family is not just my blood relatives, but also my extended members in my community who have become relatives to me in various ways. So I'm very grateful to you, relative Brenda, to all of you here for having me, for being in this very important conversation. I'm really looking forward to, to sharing together because when we've had informal conversations, we've, you know, we've both have come up with some really, I think, wonderful ideas to share with others. So I'm very grateful to create to you for inviting me. Oh, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for saying yes. I'm so grateful that we had some a chance to talk beforehand about what are the things that ancestors and Mother Earth might want us to talk about and allow that conversation to flow. And I think one of the first themes that kind of came up in that conversation for both of us that is a deep teaching from a lot of the elders and teachers we've had is that reconnecting with Mother Earth as, as a conscious being, not just as a thing, which is part of the Western colonized way of thinking things, but that she really wants to have a relationship with us. Um, and so I'm curious if there's um, 
any stories you want to share about either teachings or your experience of connection with Mother Earth that feel really important to share right now? Yeah, I, I have a, I have a few. Um, <laughs> before I commence with that, I, I, you probably saw some of the smoke from from my Salvador. I, I lit some tobacco. <laughs> I've got so I just want to, if you don't mind, I just want to share a really a brief but heartfelt prayer. Yes, um, yes, yes, please. Father of us being together in this circle and and sharing what the Mother Earth has invited is inviting us to share with everyone. Yeah. So with that, if you all will join me in taking a breath, our sacred breath, sacred air into our lungs and just settling into our chair for a moment and hold a prayer in your heart. You're welcome to touch your heart as, as I say these words and offer up your own prayers in your own words. And so, Creator, you grandmothers and grandfathers of the seven directions, you star ancestors, you cloud people, you grandfather son, you sky father, you beautiful Mother Earth, you Grandmother Ocean, to Grandfather Fire, all you beautiful elements who make up our environment, our Earth, and our own body. To you, ancestors, known and unknown, to all of the healers, the curanderos, curanderas, who came before us, who sacrificed so much that we could be here to share our medicine with each other and with others, to help heal ourselves, our family, our community, our world, and to all of our relations in nature, those who fly, those who crawl, those who swim, All of you, four-legged ones, to the trees and the stone people, to all of you, I express my deepest, most humble thanks for your life and the life that you share with us. Thank you for sharing your sacred breath, your wisdom, your good medicine with all of us. Thank you for, for your patience, your compassion, as we learn to live in a better way with you, to listen to the teachings that you have for us and to help us to take action in a good way on, those, on that guidance that you give us. I ask for blessings on all the protectors of the lands and the water. I ask mm -hmm. for blessings on all of the children of the world and all the innocents of the world. I ask for blessings on those whose heart needs to be made straight with compassion. They set aside greed that they set aside their need for power. May their hearts and their minds and their spirits be healed so that all of us, all of our children, all of the children of the world, all of our relatives receive the blessings of healing so that we in turn can heal each other and heal our Mother Earth. For all of these blessings, Creator, the blessings that you shower upon each and every person in this circle who who is listening to us now or later, 
I ask that you remove all inner and outer obstacles to their good life, to their happiness, good health, and their stable prosperity. I ask for blessings on Brenda and everyone involved in this, in this program to bring us together and to bring other speakers together because this is the only way that our earth can heal generations and generations to come. Mm. I offer these words in a good way for all our relations. Chokotesia. Ayeya Han, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful prayer and blessing. I'm grateful. Thank you. Grateful, grateful. Mm. So I think what was it that you asked me? I got I got in the in yeah. the medicine of the <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're asking about you you ask me again. <laughs> so yeah, and and um I see that we have folks from all over the place in urban settings in different countries. So I'm grateful for everyone who's here with us tonight. I know that one of the things that we talked about, which felt important to, to name because you brought it up, um, a lot of times we think that we have to go off into the forest or to be somewhere in nature to feel connected to Mother Earth. And for those of us who might live in more urban settings that we don't have connection to Mother Earth there. And I know that I always say to people, everywhere is sacred. Everyone is sacred and everywhere is sacred. There's just places and people who have become desacralized. Um, And so sometimes I think that Mother Earth needs us to be in connection in those places even more than places in nature, right? And so I wanted to check in with you because I know that you had said that, you know, being in nature is important. But we can still connect in the city. Um, the messengers are there. The dreams and intuitive downloads are there. So I'm curious for you to share whatever teachings or experiences yeah. you have around what that's like for, yeah. for, for, for yeah, you. When and we were for, talking, for, yeah. yeah, yeah. When we were talking the the other day, yeah, um, that was the first thought that came to me was to share that I've in my own prayerful moments with the holy spirits with mother earth it has all the message has always been yes go out in nature into the forests go to the ocean but also the ancestors and the spirits call you even if you're living in a high rise in new york in hong kong in Los Angeles, no matter where you are, if if you are not in what we say is the middle of a wild nature, you are still connected to the earth because you are the earth. We are all children of Mother Earth and we carry this memory within us that sometimes we have set aside because of of the educational system because of society and its demands. But if you're in, in your in, in apartment and you have plants, that's that's also nature with its own consciousness that is still connected through that great tapestry of life, the weaving. There's information that is always being shared that we are not that's not visible. So you can communicate with that plant. The stone people, 
the crystals that a lot of people like to put around in their home, even whether they may think that they're not working with crystals. But the crystals represent the stone nation. And in some traditions, the stone nation is the oldest nation. Mm-hmm. The oldest. From the stone, that's where the lichen first started and life started from the mosses and the trees. So then the trees came after, after the stone people, the plant nation, the animal relations, and then the humans, what we call ourselves as humans. So each one has its own consciousness, its own instructions for how they live their life. Um, it's been shown that trees communicate with each other. They help their sick ones. They tell us when we open our hearts, we go to a park in the middle of the city. There's nothing to stop you from giving and offering a little splash of water, a song. It doesn't have to be a native song. It can be a song that for you is meaningful. Um, I know of an elder who's, who's one of his favorite offering songs was Amazing Grace. Because it has, for him, that was profound medicine. There was profound humility in making that offering of that song. Most of us, when we go to the park, we take food, we take water. That's why I say you can put a little splash of water as an offering, as a way to start cultivating your relationship with nature. The main thing is that you make the effort, whether you want to call it prayer, meditation, or holding an intention for connecting with the consciousness, the awareness of the earth, kick off your feet if that's going to help you dig your toes into into the earth and really connect and be mindful. Don't have your phone on. Be mindful of what you might be receiving. Write it down. Because I think sometimes people think that it's enough to get the message, but it's not. The messages oftentimes have instructions. They want, the earth wants us to do something. So if you hear, I want you to plant a tree. I want you to plant this. I want you to bring this plant into your home. I want you to start connecting with the stone that you have on your windowsill. Follow through with that. That's, that's part of learning to listen and to cultivate. Because just like you and I are having this conversation, Brenda, I mean, if you ask me for something and I just ignore it, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, Brenda's talking to me. Isn't that great? And I could hear her. But then I don't respond to your needs. I don't respond to your request to share. It becomes one-sided and then you become burned out after a while like many activists do because they're not getting that reciprocity from community. Mm -hmm. So to me, the fact that you're in a city doesn't mean that you don't have the responsibility for caretaking, for perhaps um, working on a community garden. And if there's no community garden, you start one. Maybe it's something as that, going to a board of supervisors meeting to advocate for more green spaces, for instead of having grass, having food growing. So there's there's a lot that, that can be done within the city here in San Diego. There's a, a friend, Christian Ramirez, who um, asked me to go bless his, his um, 
above ground plants that he had instead of a garden in his front yard, instead of a front yard, he and his family were growing uh, food, even on mm-hmm. the sidewalk. And they're sharing with their community. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, he is walking the talk. He is listening to what Mother Earth is saying to care for her, care for his family, but also to share with others. Mm-hmm. And that's love and action. Yes, yes. That's so important. Yeah, because like you said, it's a relationship, right? And and yes. we're not mm-hmm. responsive in our relationships. It's one-sided. I know that in the pandemic, I was uh, home more. And I remember I've always been kind of, you know, putting out bird feeders and and doing things yeah. that the earth asks me. To me. <laughs> you know, I always yeah. talk to trees and, and I, there's relationships I have with the trees around our house. Not just on our property, but even our neighbor's trees. There's a big redwood on our neighbor's street uh, property that is always talking to me. It's always got advice for me. And I went outside before I came here and I made an offering of cornmeal to the earth. And I talked to the redwood tree and I said, please bless our conversation today. And if there's something you want us to know, please guide us, you know, please, you know, to all our relatives, you know, all the land guardian spirits and things like that. And then, you know, I live four blocks from my sister. I'm at my sister's house now in our home office and and on the way when I'm walking here and I know I have relationships with the different trees and with different roses because my roses are my medicine so I know a lot of the rose bushes in the the neighborhood (laughs) they'll talk to me and I'll talk to them and I'll notice when they're not feeling well and ask them what's going on um and some of them have asked to be in ceremony with certain you know with me for other people and things like that so uh yeah there's so many ways we can just stop and admire and talk to those beings in our neighborhood in an urban setting. I think one of the one of the stories that I shared on my friend's podcast, um, on the New Monastics podcast, was about a tree that asked me in the pandemic. It said, "Oh, good, you're home more right now. You're not traveling so much. We have some we have some requests of you." And they wanted a fairy garden at the base of the tree. Uh, wanted. Um, uh, bird feeder, wind chime, and prayer flags. You know, wanted to alter to Quetlicue's life and death behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was such a gift to be responsive to those requests from the land and the trees. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is so important. Like, it's not, it's, this isn't just an intellectual or theoretical exercise. It's, that's right. It's, it's the direct you know, experience of listening. That's right. Yeah. And, and oftentimes the spirits respond to you. You just have to pay attention. You know, um, several years ago, I went to, was here in San Diego, and I went to the Grandmother Ocean to give some offerings and some prayers. And then all of a sudden, I heard, look down. And I was waiting, you know, and at first, I couldn't see anything. And then I heard again, look down. And there was this little black stone that kept tossing and touching my toe. So I picked it up. (laughs) And since it was wet, I could see it was the face of the grandmother ocean was a female face with long, long flowing hair. It was just Mm. the most incredible. And I, and they said, this is for you. This is, it was the impression was acknowledging my prayers, acknowledging that I gave that offering with, with a good heart, you know, with love and appreciation and deep gratitude. Mm 
And I was told that I could take it home with me. And so I took this little stone with me and I have it in a glass of water, mm. um, a salt water when I have it. And I love to see it because I see her face looking at me. I see the grandmother ocean looking at me. And it reminds me of how important it is to listen to that little nudge that we often get. It's very yeah. gentle and persistent, right? You're listening to a TNS conversation with Grace Sesma and host Brenda Salgado. Oftentimes we, we get those responses by you go out in the park and there's birds and you really do start developing that relationship. After a while, they start dropping their feathers mm-hmm. as, a, as a way of thanking you, right? Mm-hmm. Crows in particular and ravens like to do that. They like to bring things. Uh, and there's other ways that they show their appreciation. They show up for you when you need validation or confirmation of guidance. Yes. And again, you know, it's 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 that connection. Not mm-hmm. like you said, it's not a, an intellectual exercise. It's an exercise of your heart. You're exercising your spiritual heart. Mm-hmm. Build up that muscle. Yeah, <laughs> and it's practice, just like anything else, right? Yeah. Yes. So important. I know. Um, I appreciate you sharing that and wanting to bring that into our conversation. I think a lot about the important earth changes that are happening and indigenous prophecy of this time. I know in the Toltec, we talk about moving from the time of the fifth sun to the sixth sun. The fifth sun is that's ending is marked by war and patriarchy, all the isms and separation from ourselves, from spirit, from each other, from our non-human relatives. And at the time of the sixth sun that we're just beginning is about returning to that relationship with the earth, the ceremony, the listening, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, to be doing the inner work, you know, part of that is just the slowing down mm-hmm. and the listening, right? And um, wanting to be in right relationship with each other. And, and so that's why I think the racial healing initiative work is so important to me. It's about helping to heal relationships across our human family and bringing the medicine hoop of humanity back together. You were talking mm-hmm. about stone people, about having consciousness and the trees, having consciousness as a kingdom, as a family. And somehow mm-hmm. humans have lost that sense of, of kingdom or family together, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the pieces we have to heal for this time of the sixth sun and that we're entering in. Um, so uh, I've been thinking about that a lot, even just personally too, because I think about the ancestors that make me up. Like I have um, indigenous ancestors from Nicaragua, but I also have Spanish European and I really loved how you talked about that when you were introducing yourself about they're all part of you, you know, they're all had their beauty and their challenges. And, you know, just yesterday um, at the kind of the ending of our eclipse five day period, um, I was being guided to do some healing work uh, for some of my grandparents who had a harder time when they were here. Um, And the two healthier grandparents were saying, we want to help you do that. So we'll help you hold that space with them. And, and I think this this piece around racial healing is happening within me, right? Because there's the mm-hmm. Spanish indigenous that had a lot of conflict when they were alive. Some of my fathers yeah. were not very kind to my mother's family. And um, so I'm curious what that journey has been like for you around just healing things within your yourself, your family, your community around issues of separation that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certainly been a lot of that 
because of the separation with the border, by the border, mm -hmm. the separation due to, to the war in Sonora, for example, mm -hmm. uh, even before the end when the Spaniards arrived and, and uh, enslaved many Yaqui people and took them all the way down to southern Mexico, Yucatan. When, uh, <clears throat> when I have worked on myself, you know, doing some of my own limpias and, and doing energy work on myself and certain health challenges have appeared in my life, one in particular to deal with the heart. Mm. I saw the face of an, of an older woman that I knew intuitively. She was in a way, way, way back ancestor. And it is because of the trauma that she suffered that uh, heart issues run in mm. our family, among along with other emotional issues. Uh, when there's this kind of intergenerational trauma, when there's the effects of colonialism, colonization on our peoples, um, it, it has left scars in our families. Um, I really have been working on doing the healing work with that ancestor and forward from her because mm -hmm. I want the generations, I want my children and all of my family's descendants to be able to let go of the suffering and the trauma that that great, 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 great grandmother suffered and that is still affecting our health and our emotions. Yeah. Part of that has led to dysfunction, disconnection within our own families. Um, and that is, you know, that is something that I'm always working with in terms of trying to do my part to bring family members back together again, if they wish it. You know, you can't force people. Mm -hmm. You can only model for others um, what you hope is a healthier behavior and to invite people to walk with you on the healing journey. However, it may not look like healing to others, but for me, having a calling a family reunion and using that time to remind each other of our ancestors of, of what, of their tenacity, of their perseverance, of their strength, of their joys, and focus on their wisdom that is still part of us that I want us to focus more on that mm -hmm. than the than putting the blame on the trauma. Mm -hmm. Because the way I see it, if you're able to identify the trauma, then then you are able to find help and make changes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's been such an interesting journey for me too. I feel like the two ancestors who are a little bit healthier. They said they came to me and said we need to help the other two grandparents who are, have been struggling more. And it didn't begin with them; it began very far back. And I have this sense too, because those two grandparents had more indigenous background. I have come to realize with age that they had a different form of wealth—a wealth of staying around where their ancestors were, um, having more connection with the land that they were on, and not breaking that relationship of still retaining some of their medicine um, and some of their ceremonies, right? Even if some were lost. 
And so it's yeah. a different form of wealth and financial wealth. And I also think back and I think about Russell Menicum's book, My Grandmother's Hands, and how he talks a lot about um, certain folks have ancestors who, for whatever reason, decimated their own medicine people, their own condor medicine, their own ways of being with the land, and also broke those relationships with the land and came to other places. And I think about how that made them unrooted. And so, of course, they were grabby in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. That's a different form of of kind of spiritual illness, right? Um, And the indigenous prophecies around all this. And so I I have this, this different way of feeling around my ancestors now. I think when I was very, very young, I had a lot of affinity for my mom's ancestors because they were more indigenous and less for my Spanish ancestors, mostly because they they were not um, very well connected or kind to each other sometimes. Uh, Some of them, yes, and my father's close to those family, but a lot of family that lost touch with each other because it wasn't a healthy relationship. But I kind of have come to understand when I've been asking for help from my ancestors, I'll, I'll say things like, I would like a healthy ancestor to come forward to help me as I step into these roles of leadership. I need your help and your guidance. Um, please, the healthy ones that were able to hold leadership with integrity, please, I need your help. And some of those are coming from my dad's side. And that's surprising mm-hmm. to me that all these stories are coming out now in the family about things I didn't yeah. know. And um, that's that you're sharing that because I just had that conversation with um, during my Sunday morning cafecitos. I do once a month uh, in very informal talks. And I, we were talking about just that how important it is that we ask exactly the way you said it. It's wonderful for your healed ancestors. Yeah. To, yeah. To yeah. But, you know, that came because an elder, you know, I'm so grateful for my elders because I remember. Um, we were facilitating a retreat together, me and this elder, for uh, a network of curanderas and medicine people. And this was years ago when I was younger. And, and she said, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw all these beings trying to get through in your dream time with messages. She's like, but they weren't all your ancestors. And it was kind of like, she's like, are you getting any sleep? And I said, you know, it's crazy. I don't, I wake up a lot and I'm writing things down. And, and she said, you're too much, you're too open right now. You're like this open telephone that anybody can get through. And of course, you know, there's beings on the other side that want messages to come through. And, and she said to me, um, you need to ask your guides, your healthy ancestors, whoever it is that's known to you, whatever name you know, created by, please only let those with good intentions through those who want to help me with my health and well-being and my path and purpose. And please keep everybody else out. You know, and I was like, oh, that's great. You know, and it really cut down that noise. Yeah. And, I, and similarly, I'd had another experience when I was doing some journeying in our women's circle and, and a grandfather who was not on my altar showed up and it was very demanding and I want to be on your altar and, you know, <laughs> and, but it was not very, it was, it felt not respectful, like the relationship I had with my other grandparents mm-hmm. and, and I didn't know him. He didn't raise my father. So, um, so that was an interesting thing um, because when I, I went to speak to an elder about that, cause I was like, this thing happened and I told him, thank you for giving Life to my father. I know you're part of me. I send you love and gratitude for that. You know, um, I said, it's not my fault you're not on my altar. You didn't raise my dad. If you raised my dad, I'd have tons of pictures of you. And I said, I know that part of the line needs healing. So I'm going to start sending healing energy and doing ceremony around that for that part of the line. I'm going to ask you to start doing your work too, you know, and and that's what the elder told me to say to him. It's like, I want a relationship with you, but not until it can be mutually respectful. 
And so why don't you start doing your healing work? I'll start doing my healing work. And when it, the time is right, we'll connect again. Um, but right. she said, she, yeah. told, she said that to me very strongly. She said, if you don't have good boundaries with human beings. I was going to say just that. Yes. That's right. That's that's what I was telling my um, the people who were in my cafecito. I said, that's why you have to work on your boundaries, especially if you are aspiring to be a healer. Most of us healers start off not having good boundaries. We're a little loosey-goosey with our boundaries. But so we have to learn to have healthy boundaries. And that that flows over into working with those who have died. You have to have healthy boundaries. Um, for a while, a few years back, I was having a lot of people, deceased spirits coming, wanting to talk to me. And I just said, no, you can't. Nope, no, nope. And just, you know, you, it's okay to say no. Just like it's okay to say no today in this reality, it's okay to, to say no to others. If like you, like you with your, your relative, your ancestor, I was taught that in putting those healthy boundaries, and my mom taught me this part is that you, you light a candle for them. Mm -hmm. And that's their candle. And that's it for them to receive the healing that they need, that they have the light as their guardians, their angels, as part of this, this candle lighting to be with them so that they can go on in their journey of healing before they start trying to come and talk to their descendants. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of people that need yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know? and it's such a great ending to that story because some years later, as we were, I could sense he was doing the work and I was doing the work, I was at a day, um, we're doing a Day of the Dead altar and ceremony in my friend's house in Moon Circle. And he showed up and he said, I'm ready to be in good relationship now. And thank you for all the work you've been doing. He's one of my strongest protectors right now. That's beautiful. <laughs> He's like that uh, was held power in Nicaragua, but held it with integrity. And then so my dad started remembering all these stories. My mom started remembering all these stories that never told me right after that, which was really profound. And it was him and my maternal grandmother, Maria and Felipe together that, you know, one from each side, one's maternal, one's paternal, that came to me yesterday and said, we have to help the other two grandparents. So we're going to help you hold that space because they had a lot of suffering and so we did a lot of ancestral clearing uh, yesterday and this morning. And it was, you know, and it's very heavy for me, a lot of tears. Yeah. Um, and then they came in the dream time last night and said, you know, thank you. There's these really ancient old contracts that were put on our lines that kept us in this mm -hmm. shadow. And we're so glad that you helped clear some of that. And we're here to help you, you know, now that you've helped us clear some of that, we can, you know, because I have kept them also at a distance, you know, on the altar, but, yeah. you know, respectful. Um, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, even, even the ones we have to have healthy boundaries with, just like with people, like they can heal, we can hold the prayer for their healing and they, and we can that's right. hold the intention that they can come back around and be in good relationship with us. That's possible. Yeah. And, that transformation. That's right. and, and that also flows into our relationship with the earth. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, as long as, as long as we, ignore her scars as long as we ignore the trauma that she has been feeling for millions of years and what we're inflicting on her today how can we heal ourselves we're deeply connected to her deeply connected to her i mean she gives us food 
Mm-hmm. She feeds us through her waters. It's just like a she's breastfeeding us with her sacred water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everything comes from her. And if we are not doing our part to learn how to take care of the land where we're living mm-hmm. and to honor our ancestors, I know we keep, we, you know, I, I do, and we mentioned indigenous. And so I want to also bring in our indigenous relatives from Europe. Our indigenous yes. relatives from China, from Africa, from Iceland, from all places of the world. Because I think sometimes when I'm having conversations, I say indigenous and I forget to, to point out that if you are, call yourself an American, somewhere along the line, your ancestral lineage has been somewhat erased. Not that you have to throw away how you identify as an American, but what I'm saying is, where were your ancestors? Where is you? Where are your indigenous roots originally mm-hmm. from? Where are they? Yeah. And how would they take care of the earth? How did they make offerings? How did they have smoke blessings? What mm-hmm. songs did they sing? What prayers might they have prayed? There's, we, I think we have a responsibility to our ancestors to also look at that in addition to respecting the original peoples on whose land we are living. How do they want their land to be respected and honored? Do they even want you to do anything? Mm-hmm. Um, I was with uh, Chief Colleen Sis from the Winneman Winto on Mount Shasta many years ago for their Coonrod ceremony. And we were praying and it was shocking to me how some people, not of our group, were insisting, even after they were told that what they were doing was harmful to the mountain, they were insisting that they could pray there in the way that they were doing it because, well, it's spirit and it's a prayer. They didn't care that they were putting items in the sacred springs that were not appropriate. Uh, I mean, we were cleaning the the springs and there was um, bones from dogs from, I mean, there was a lot of things in there that were not appropriate. And especially because if you're not one of the original caretakers of that mountain, it is not your place to say how that honoring should be. And you have to respect the original caretakers when they say, no, you cannot come into this part of the mountain or this part of the desert because our ancestors are buried here. No, you cannot pray the way using what you're using because that's not appropriate. So I think it's also our responsibility if we're not if we're not living on our own original lands to find out, to talk to elders and say, I want to be in good relationship with your land here. I'm a, I want to be a good guest. I want to be a good relative to you. Would you accept this tobacco? May I sit with you? And would you please give me some advice on how I can do that in a way that respects you, your nation, and this part of Mother Earth, because you are the original caregivers, you are the original caretakers, you are the ones who have nurtured this land 
for thousands of years in a way that kept it well and healthy, unlike today. So what can I do? Yes, it's so important. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the Winneman Wintu because they, there's a, a article that came out recently about, um, I believe that they just won some of their ancestral land back and, and this intention of saving an engendered salmon and being in that right relationship over so much time. I'll just put a, a link to the article for people to look at later, not right Good. now. But, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm very grateful to Kaylin Six, Chief Kaylin Sisk, and all the things that she's doing and Palm's doing so so much good work. She's, I, I admire her so much. Yeah, yeah, so, just a really authentic, genuine, strong medicine woman and leader. Yeah. Yes. Well, we wanted to do a few minutes of practice before we go to Q&A. So I'm trying to feel into whether we should be doing ancestor work or working with Kuatlikwa as life and death. Um, <laughs> she's more of a practice of, of the earth, so I'm just feeling like it might be with her. Um, so I want to share with folks how much uh, I love Kuatlikwa as life and death. She's an energy of Mother Earth that represents the cycles of life and death and that's part of the things that we, one of the things we've kind of lost in this modern context. I think modern dominant culture likes the energy of Kuatlikwe's life in its different forms. They like planting new seeds, starting new projects, but we're very resistant to aging, to grief, to death cycles. And that's just part of being a good relative and part of the natural cycles. And so, um, I think that there's many faces of the feminine in different traditions that are honored, like Mary, uh, like Kuan Yin, that's compassion, which is more of the life and uh, the birth. But then there's this other side, which is more of the death, the destruction, mm -hmm. the, the get, taking care of what doesn't serve love and life and future generations. And so Kali, Pele, you know, some of these other forms of feminine energies that um, we're more resistant to in modern culture. And for us to be a good relative with Mother Earth, we have to be in relationship with those cycles, too. And we're not we're not exempt from them. We just like to pretend we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, why, that's why I love our Dia de Muertos celebrations. Yes. When they're yeah. celebrated, when it's celebrated in an honorable way, because we are acknowledging that cycle of life and of death, that's yeah. part of our life. It's part of Mother and, Earth. It's trees. It's everything. We yeah. go through regeneration. That love of the mycorrhizae and the fungal network, and they're helping to break things mm -hmm. down. That the mycelium. Was yes. Yeah. It was so funny when when the front yard in in the pandemic said, "Well, I want to alter to Quetzalcoatl's life and death, and and I want you to put." Any any female deity statue there doesn't matter which. They said, but what's different about this one is, in your other altars, you take away the flowers when they're gone, and you go compost them or give them to the earth. Someone said, we want you not to take those away, and we want you to leave them going back into the leaves and the earth around us because this is the altar to life and death, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, okay, you know, very clear instructions around that. Um, and then as soon as I made that altar, my cat went and killed a bird. And he always eats them on the front porch if he does do that. But this particular time, he took it directly to that altar and he started eating it there. And I found it later. And then I was getting ready to bury it. And I was, you know, saying a prayer to the little bird and saying, I'm so sorry. And, 
know, thank you for, you know, your sacrifice. And, and then I heard this voice say, that's mine. You're not supposed to remove that, that he made an offering to me, leave it alone. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And that part of our front yard is very forested. So things go back to the earth very quickly there. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 He's teaching me. He's always teaching me. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Grace Sesma and host Brenda Salgado. So I'm going to invite people just for a few minutes before we go into Q&A. We're going to do a little short practice with Quatliquit as life and death. Um, and I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and take a deep breath in and out. So you can get present for this practice with us. And if you're not comfortable doing this, it's okay just to listen. You don't have to do this. We're going to be releasing things to Mother Earth to be composted and asking her to give us energy so that we can both plant new things and give death to things that don't serve us. So we're just going to breathe in and out. And again, feel our connection with Mother Earth through our feet, giving thanks to her, sending gratitude towards our feet down into the core of Mother Earth for all the ways that she loves us. She's such a wonderful mother. She's so generous with her children, even when we're not grateful or present with her, she still continues to be generous with us. And allowing some of that energy to come up in you and sending energy out towards the cosmos through, through your crown. Gratitude for being a child of the universe as well as of the earth. Allowing that energy to come back in so you're centered in your heart with these energies above and below. As you continue to breathe in and out, just be present in your body and see if you can invite your breath a little lower and slower in your body so you're present in your body. Mother Earth loves us to be present in our body. Not so much in our heads. And as you breathe in and out, we're going to summon Kwatlikwe as life and death to come be with us. We'll do a shortened version of this practice for our time together. So in, in a moment, I'm going to say Shiwalwi four times, which is asking her to come be with us. And you can say, wherever you are, you can say, please be with me or come be with me. Shiwalwi. 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 And you may visualize or feel the energies of Kwetlikwe as life and death in front of you. You may not see anything. You might feel something. And just trust that if we're summoning in a respectful way, that she will come and be with us. And in order for her to be with us and for us to be good relatives, we want to make offerings to her to be in this relationship with her. So we're going to breathe out four times each time, making an offering with our breath. With your first breath, offer the best energy of your dreams. With your second breath, offer her the best energy of your thoughts. With the third breath, offer the best energy of your feelings. And with the fourth breath, the best energy of your actions. Now that we've made the offerings and summoned respectfully, we're going to ask her to please take some things from us that are not serving us. So as you continue to breathe in and out, visualize energy 
of the things that you're ready to release. And I'll say a few things, but you can offer the things in your breath to Mother Earth, the things that you're ready to release and let go. For any ancestral old winds that keep us from our path and purpose and our health and well-being, we breathe and release that to Mother Earth. In our abdomen area, clear any trauma or fear that we might have that was ours or our ancestors, releasing that to Mother Earth to be composted and transformed. Releasing on our right side where our liver is, any rage, anger, or unforgiveness that is blocking our life force or causing illness or dis-ease in us. That's blocking our ability to heal. And on your left side from our kidney, releasing any patterns of shame or guilt, with low self-esteem. We release these things to you, you Mother Earth, to clear the way for being on our path of destiny for being in our body in connection with Mother Earth. We're removing the boulders on our path so we can fulfill our gifts and our purpose for ourselves, for our community. In our lower back, we clear any ancestral winds and heavy karma that we're ready to release for ourselves and our ancestors. In our legs, we ask to clear any blockages from walking on our path of destiny and any disconnection with Mother Earth that happened to us and to our ancestors. So we remember our connection with love and respect for Mother Earth, ability to receive energy and messages from her. to be a good relative to ourselves and to others. Clearing in our heart area any heavy grief for ourselves and our ancestors. Any unhealthy patterns of relationships that were passed down that we learned. And anything blocking the medicine in our blood, our bones, our DNA. We go far back. We had healthy ancestors who were indigenous to place. So we ask for anything that blocks us from accessing that medicine and knowing inside of us to release that. To release any contracts, that energies that were placed upon our ancestors or us to disconnect us. And clearing from our forehead our third eye, anything, any thoughts that keep us from knowing our true self, from having healthy thoughts about ourselves and others. And clearing from our eyes and ears, anything that keeps us from hearing and seeing what we need to hear to grow on our path, to learn, to evolve as a good child of the earth, as a good relative to each other. Clearing our eyes and ears. Clearing from our throat anything that keeps us from taking up our staff of power with integrity. 
We clear for those ancestors who use their staff of power in oppressive ways because of their own trauma and unskillfulness. We also clear for those ancestors who gave their staff of power away in order to survive the difficult times they were in. We clear this for them and also for ourselves so we can take up our staff of power in these times with integrity in such a way that it creates the field in which others can take up their staff of power alongside us. So we're in power with others, not over others. So we are a good relative in the ways that we carry our power. And now we just say to Mother Earth, I accept you to take my offerings. I accept you to take my offerings. As you breathe in and out, allow her to pull the life force of these things out of you and to compost them. Feel the energy coming up through your body, through your field. All the things you're ready to release, to compost. Just as we compost in our backyard, that creates the nourishment for new seeds to be planted, new, new crops to be planted. So when we're able to work with Mother Earth to compost, we're able to create the nourishment for new things. Now we thank her for accepting these offerings and we place our hands out in front of us. In our left hand, we ask for one thing that we would like her to give birth to in our life. So think of something, could be abundance, could be healing, could be wisdom, could be grace. One thing you would like to create in your life, because we've made many offerings in a respectful and relational way, she's giving us permission to ask for one thing we want to give birth to. And in your right hand, ask her for one thing you want to give death to. Perhaps it's a bad habit or an old pattern that you want to stop doing. Perhaps it's illness or disease or debt ways that you self-sabotage or block yourself. Think of one thing you want to release that you want her to give death to. And because we've made many offerings, she's willing to help us with this energetically. Let me say thank you to her. And because we've made many offerings and asked for only one thing on each side, we're now going to ask to store energy within our body. So as you breathe in and out, visualize the life force energy for planting new seeds being stored on your left side. As you breathe in and out, feel the left side of your body from head to toe being filled with the energy to start new projects, to create new patterns, to have new dreams, new thoughts, new feelings, new actions that are in alignment with your path of destiny and your well-being. To create the things that you need for yourself, for your family, your community, breathing in and out and allowing that energy to be filled up on your left side. And as you continue to breathe in and out, because we made many offerings and only asked for one thing, visualize energy being stored on your right side to compost and give debt to the things that do not serve you, your family, your community. So you have energy stored to release and transform things in your life. So feeling that energy being stored on your right side from head to toe. 
So she's wanting to support us to be in the cycles of life and death in healthy ways to give us energy, wisdom, grace, skillfulness to plant new seeds and to give death to things that don't serve us anymore and keep us from our path and purpose and our health and well-being. I have that energy to fill you up and store it for future use. So we can be a right relationship. We thank you, Kwatli Kwe's life and death. You're always here. You're always supporting cycles of life and death for all of us, not just humans, for all our relatives. Help us to be in respectful and right partnership with you. To work with this energy with integrity and love and sovereignty and respect for ourselves and respect for others. We simply say thank you. That's a kamati omateo. And we release you, Kuatlikwe, as life and death. Thank you for being with us for this time, for allowing us to be in right relationship with you, to make offerings to you, to offer us energy in return, help us to be a good child of this earth, and to remember that when we're in right relationship with you, all things are possible. I'm a kind of come back. Two, three, four. Thank you. Oh, good question. That was beautiful. Thank you. No, oh, it's my pleasure. I want to name my teacher, Sergio Maganya, who taught, uh, taught me this medicine. And um, yes, so we're going to take a few beats here. And then just at this time, we'll transition into. Q&A, but I want to just invite everybody to take a couple of breaths and ground yourself in your body. That was sometimes energy work when it's new for us can be um, unsettling or different. It's it's just something, and again, uh, Grace was talking about it's a practice. And so it's okay if it, first time we ride a bike, it's kind of awkward and then it gets easier with time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to... Oops. What I saw a question in there asking about what liquid. And um, she's right back here. Down. This is an art from a good friend named Ernesto Olmos. And I his, like his work. This yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, and there's also um, I can place a link a little bit later about um, about her, so folks can learn a little bit more about her if they like. But again, um, one of the things that I think Grace alluded to is like, find out what were the practices like this for your people. I, I know that I taught a course on introduction to Kurandarismo some years ago, and while people were learning some of the the ceremonies and methods that I was taught by my elders, I also asked them to do papers to look into who their ancestors were. And even if you don't know um, the medicine, you could do research in the library. Like what was the traditional medicine of people in Italy? What was the traditional medicine of people in Spain? Because all of us had ancestors who were indigenous to place and knew these ways. And also all of us have ancestors who had those ways taken away for different reasons. 
who left mm-hmm. those lands sometimes by choice, sometimes by force for different reasons. We all have ancestors somewhere back in our line who um, were the medicine keepers and were, and some of them were killed or, or ostracized for being in their medicine. When people don't understand things, um, they often do harmful things with those things that they don't understand. Um, so I think a lot about those ancestors who got broken in their relationship, broken in the grounding and rootedness with place and people. Um, and everywhere someone has someone back there, ask them to come in the dream time and talk to you. They'll come and talk to you. Ask those healthy ancestors who knew the old ways to come and talk to you and they will. Yeah. Someone asked, I noticed about, um, they have complicated relationships with ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good conversation. I you know, don't have a whole lot of time, but reminded me that I hope you don't mind that I am doing a a class on the other muertos this uh, Saturday, the twenty first, from eleven to one, and um, it's being hosted by Chi, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative. It's on my Facebook page, but I'll be talking about that because that question comes up a lot. Yes, it does. It's an important one. And people sometimes feel like they have to accept everybody. But I think, you know, you what you said earlier is the boundaries is really important. Um, lighting a candle for their well-being, but not inviting them to be in your space. That light mm-hmm. is for to guide them and bring their, their holiest guides to help them on their path. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't yeah, have to know someone. Yeah, you don't have to know someone like a name, I think is what you're saying. Hard to imagine if you have a healthy ancestors. Just put that in your prayer that that is who you're calling forth and trust that your your most high and holy spiritual guides, your angels, however you refer to them, um, that they're gonna help bring that high and holy healed ancestor to you even if you don't know them i don't know the names of several of my ancestors who who helped me i don't know their names i i they're way back but i know by the the radiance that i feel around them and that they don't impose themselves on me that they are definitely part of that healed ancestor group because i think you mentioned uh, brenda that um, you know, and this is something that a lot of cross cultures they talk about when there is when you have a guide or an ancestor who is healed, who has done their work through a long time, years, decades, um, they will never impose themselves on you. They will never try to coerce you or to transgress against your own free will. That's how you know. Maybe one of them will be a little stubborn, a little insistent, but they withdraw when you hold your boundary. That's different than someone really trying to be really pushy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not who we're talking about. I hope that helps, and I'll yeah. talk about it some more Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I posted a link. I found it on your Facebook page. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't think about um, bringing it on. So, but I think that's so important. And I want and I want to say that that's actually a lesson not just for ancestors, but humans too. 
Um, because I, you know, I frequently get people referred to me um, that have gone to bad medicine people. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and one of the things that I hear all the time in the stories when I'm asking them to share about what happened is that you know they went to someone and at some point something in their intuition told them to leave. They didn't always know why, but and then the person got pushy when they wanted to leave and got very kind of salesman, carsy, you know, like, no, I can fix your life, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and anytime someone disrespects your sovereignty, that should be a flag for you. Right. Every time, yeah. whether it's human or not. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's the good way of being pushy and manipulative, but they're also the ones who try to scare you. Yeah. Don't let them instill fear on you to get you to stay. Yeah. Just say thank you and leave. Don't yeah. be afraid. Just yes. leave and then get help from somebody who yeah. is experienced and credible and is a healer who yeah. understands both paths. Yeah. Let me look at uh, if there's new questions in there. Yeah, so important to learn to develop our sense of sovereignty and boundary. And, and again, I really appreciate that you said not from the place of fear, but from the place of, you know, sovereignty. And because because the vibration with which we hold it affects how 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 strong that boundary is, right? If, if we're holding it from a place of fear, it's easy for them to override it. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I want to say is that I've been surprised by my ancestors. There's ones that I thought were not healthy at all. And then um, as I've worked with them and helped them, you know, been on the healing path with them, I've learned that all of our ancestors are complex and they did some good things and they did some bad things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's nobody that's immune from that. Even my indigenous grandmother did some things that were skillful and unskillful. Absolutely. And, and that's so, part of having compassion. You know, having compassion for yourself, compassion for them, uh, because that goes back to, I think, what you were saying. Uh, you touched on, on how we interact with one another. And I've noticed that people generally are more compassionate towards other people who they care for. Mm -hmm. The difficult part is to have compassion for the people that we don't like or the people that we disagree with their behaviors, including our dead ancestors, right? Our ancestors from way back. Um, so if you feel at any point that there's somebody like that, include them in your prayers. Ask that their guides, ask the creator, ask that the angels continue to bless them with wisdom to heal them so that they can continue to do the healing work and that that healing, then that good healing, uh, just go out, you know, into, into the cosmos and to your family. Mm -hmm. That healing still ripples out yeah. because the reality is that there's no time and space. There's only the present time, right? So yeah. if that is happening in their present is our present, we're still feeling that ripple effect of healing yeah. that mm -hmm. our ancestors are, are having. And yeah. so our healing ripple up into our descendants, so, you know, our work is to be good ancestors. Yes. I always say that. Like, I've been training to be a good elder and training to be a good ancestor someday, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's another question from Sherry about uh, can we 
Oh, oh. Trying to scroll down. Can we ask forgiveness from our ancestors for the mistakes we have made? Absolutely. I, and I know All the they, time. <laughs> yeah, they appreciate it. And again, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of the theme, I think, in all of this, whether it's with Mother Earth or with the ancestors, it's about being in good relationship, right? And sometimes we make mistakes and we have to say we're sorry. And sometimes we have to hold our boundaries in our relationships. That's right. You know, even, you know, I remember when grandma first started coming to me and asking for more things, I had to tell her, I'm happy to take care of that. I can't do it right now. Um, I promise I'll take care of it soon. You know, message received, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's, you know, it goes in both directions. I've had to ask forgiveness of my ancestors for things, you know, for not being in contact with them sooner or not working on their healing sooner uh, with them. And then also I've had them come to me and say, I want forgiveness from your mother and about things that happened before I died. And can you please talk to her about it? So that, that can move in both directions and it's part of restoring relationship with each other. That's right, yeah. Yes, Mead has a, a, an interesting uh, question and I hope we have time because I'd like to um, actually share a dream oh, which came to me that I think is important. Um, what might you share about connecting with ancestors who are not humans? We're always connecting with them because, as I said earlier, remember, the stone people are our ancestors, the trees and plants are our ancestors, the water is our ancestor, that everything in nature is our ancestor. So as we're healing them today, we say the prayer, may that healing also go back to their seven generations and seven generations forward. And those ancestors are always speaking to us. I feel that the whales in particular are our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And it came to me that I wanted to share this, this dream that I had um, because I realized that we've been seeing some of this happen. And this is a dream that I had in December 17, 2020. I wrote it down and because I wanted to, I was hoping that I'd have some time. Um, and I shared it on my personal Facebook page back then uh, because I felt very strongly that our well ancestors, our well relatives wanted me to share it. So in this dream, I am aware of myself as consciousness, as pure consciousness, floating above the ocean and my attention is drawn down into into the the surface of the ocean and looking down I'm seeing people lots and lots of people on boats inside boats and ships uh, hundreds of ships are in the middle of of the ocean and as I'm watching this I see all of a sudden a huge humpback whale gray whales, and also some orcas that were all swimming among, among the boats. And then all of a sudden, I was in the ocean right next to this grandmother whale. And I could see her eye, and her eye was just so full of grief, mm -hmm. sadness, and also a little bit of like firm firmness, sternness in her in her gaze to me and she told me mind to mind in the dream time that it was getting late and this is a continuation of dreams i've had since my 20s mm -hmm. of different beings ancestors who are not human giving me information so she she told me it was getting late and then i'm above again in the sky looking down 
And I begin to see the whales and the orcas going up to each boat and touching them with the tip of, of, of their head. And as they touched each boat and each ship, the people disappeared. Mm. And so little by little, all the people started disappearing. The ships started disappearing. And only a very small group was left that somehow had gathered on an island. And those were the ones that the whales allowed to live. Mm. And when I was thinking about this dream of sharing it today, I realized that we're seeing some of this today. We've all seen the stories in the last few months of orcas and whales tipping the boats over. Because they're, I mean, it's like we tell, we're telling you in the dreams, we're sending people to give messages and you're not understanding that you are not doing your job. You are not taking care of our oceans. You're not taking care of the earth. We are dying. Our, I mean, hundreds of our animal relatives are going extinct. This, this dream, like I said, is, is one of the more recent ones that I've had that are along those lines. Some have been much more detailed and very severe to the point that I actually got sick for days afterwards because what I was shown was just so heartbreaking on such a massive scale that it was hard for my spirit and my heart to deal with it. And I, I had to get doctored up afterwards because it was just so horrific what I was seeing. Mm. But it's a call to action. It's a call to have these conversations. It's a call to, to reach out and invite people from all walks of life and all ethnicities to do our part, to help our relatives in nature who are our ancestors. They're part of our ancestral group. That's part of the interrelations. That's part of when I say all my relations, I don't mean just you guys. I don't mean just the people, humans, I'm talking about the whales. I am talking about the buffalo. I'm talking about the ants. I'm talking about the who I don't care for so much, but I'm talking about them too. I'm talking about the elephants. I'm talking about the hummingbirds, the pollinators, the bats. I'm talking about the worms, all the beings, all of us that are a beautiful and much needed part of this web of life that we are destroying through our inaction. So if you are feeling the call, which obviously you must be, otherwise you wouldn't be in this call with Brenda and me. <laughs> I, I, pray, I pray that that you will do your part and don't try to quantify it. Don't say it's just a little thing. No. Whatever you can do, however you can do it, marching, helping feed people, um, you know, helping a sanctuary for our animal relatives, planting trees, planting flowers, native plants, plant native plants. Those are really, really important. This is how you strengthen that web of existence. This is how you begin to help our well relatives make shifts in our future timeline. Because I have been told this for decades that 
2010 was going to be the, the tipping point. And it's not just me. It's been amazing to hear elders with similar stories from that they've talked about for 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And yet our earth mother still reaches out and asks for help. So please do your part. And thank you, Brenda, for, for allowing me to share from my heart with you. I am so appreciative of, of us being in this circle together. I, I thank Creator for bringing us, for keeping us in touch through Facebook. That's how I first remember that we got in touch through Facebook many years ago. And yes. here we are having a wonderful conversation. So even Facebook, with all its flaws, still manages to do the work of Creator somehow when we open our hearts and our minds to that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that dream. It's such a beautiful way to end this conversation together. Uh, our our non-human relatives have so many messages for us about what we can be doing this time. And so I encourage you all who are on the call to just make the time to make an offering, whether it's a song or tobacco or cornmeal to a tree, to somewhere in around your, your home, to the plant that's in your home, wherever it is. And then just to get still and listen and to Think about it as a relationship that you're building um, with someone and something. And the medicine and the guidance will be there always. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm placing a link in here. Um, this just with more, some, some of the talks I've done in similar conversations. If you feel like looking at other videos, um, I want to turn it back to Kira. I also want to encourage folks to go to Grace's talk this weekend. That sounds like it's going to be a wonderful offering. Um, back to you, Kira. Thank you for for thank you so much, Grace. I'm so honored to have been in conversation with you, and I'm so grateful for you sharing that dream. It's such a powerful way to end our conversation. Wow, my goodness. Yes, thank you so much, Grace. Um, so much appreciation and gratitude for you joining us and for bringing your wisdom and your stories. And. Um, and Brenda, thank you for just such a caring presence and your prayers and, and for your collaboration on this program. Again, we'll have recordings produced of the conversation available in about a week or two on our website, tns.commonweal.org. And be sure to find The New School on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, and like and subscribe for more conversations about nature, culture, and inner life. If you appreciated this conversation, please do join us in November and December. Brenda and Flavia will be with us. Uh, the next events, those are the next events in our series. Brenda Salgado and Grace Sesma, thank you for joining us at the New School at Commonweal. Hope to see you next month. You've been listening to a TNS conversation with Grace Sesma and host Brenda Salgado. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening.
Water could heal my body. Water could heal my soul.